Hello, everybody, and welcome to Web and Beyond Live for December 7th, 2020. Uh, each week, I come to you talking about digital marketing and productivity technologies and everything in between, uh, hopefully helping you all understand how to market and manage on the web and beyond better. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm president of W3 Consulting and managing director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable web hosting solutions for small businesses. So uh, with that, Today, what we're going to talk about is a little bit of news, kind of a smattering of news across the board. I want to talk a little bit about what uh, Fed Chairman uh, Jerome Powell talked about last week regarding small business. We're going to talk about Black Friday and some changes Walmart is making to their shipping, kind of eking in and what that means for small business and how you're really going to uh, make an edge in terms of digital experience in 2021. We're going to talk about WhatsApp, Squarespace, YouTube, and then I want to talk today about a um, an article I was reading on Sprout Social, they put out a report, uh, and I think that it's going to be really important to kind of think about how to do Facebook marketing effectively. And I wanted to walk through the steps that they talked about and giving some commentary on that, a little bit of closing the loop on the Google Web Stories uh, discussion, just as an update, uh, and, and talking a little bit about one that I missed in the context of the stories launch uh, this year. And so I want to make sure that I do cover that. And so let's get started with my first uh, story this week, which was um, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell. He came out um, and he testified before uh, Congress. In this case, he was testifying before the Senate panel about the U.S. economy and um, some fiscal and monetary policy stuff. And while he was talking about the fact that he has a lot of levers still you know, uh, tools in his toolkit um, to be able to counteract the current, uh, you know, economic crisis that we're, we're facing, he uh, was really impressing upon uh, the Congress that they need to act. Um, both Congress and the president needs to act here to be able to help small business. I, I wanted to bring this up because we are on the, the verge of, of a cliff of, of sorts. Uh, one, uh, we are going to see a massive um, kind of bloodletting of payroll, um, you know, in the next couple of months. We're going to see a lot of organizations start to let people go in line with that, um, that means that there's going to be a glut of new small businesses starting, uh, which for those of us who are in the B2B space where we, you know, I'm, I'm a B2SMB company, I'm helping small businesses. This is really, I guess, good for my business, uh, but it is not good for the economy in the short term. That means a really steep economic uh, recession. And uh, we're already in that, you know, kind of first set of, of recession this year because of the pandemic, and now we're going to roll into the next. So my thoughts for you are, is that prepare yourselves for this, uh, you know, massive, probably decrease in consumer spend. I'm not quite sure there. Um, it depends on what Congress does and what the president does in terms of uh, short-term economic stimulus. Uh, my point being is that if you care about small business and you care about your small business community, now is the time to reach out to your, you know, your representative, your congressman, and, uh, you know, your, all of the uh, representatives around you and start letting them know that you want to support small business and that um, supporting, you know, increasing money from the CARES Act, extending that, whatever it might be, is, um, you know, you feel like is the thing that will help solve um, for this huge, you know, um, uh, impact that we're going to be seeing. You need to reach out to your representatives and let them know that you support small business, you are a small business, and that you want to see them do something. So just wanted to let everybody know about that. But if Fed 
uh, Chairman Powell is talking about this in um, kind of not dire straits, but clearly he's talking about this from a concern perspective. Uh, we should all be concerned if he's saying that, yes, I have levers, but you should really be putting more up there as well. Uh, moving right along then uh, to maybe some more positive news, uh, Black Friday um, hit a record, a record $9 billion spent in consumer spending uh, this season. So that saw small retailers an increase in 545% in terms of sales uh, for Black Friday, uh, which is just remarkable, um, but not uh, not surprising. So this is important for us all to recognize, which is that those small retailers benefited from having digital experiences and predominantly mobile experiences. So many of these people who are buying online today, the vast majority of them actually were buying on mobile. Uh, so this is, this is, um, not shocking to me again, but certainly notable to remember that you need to make sure your website is mobile optimized and capable of being seen. And I'm going to do an entire show soon on the topic of core web vitals, um, upcoming Google changes to the search engine algorithm. And this is going to be really, really important for every website in 2021 and going forward. And it's something that you're going to have to pay attention to um, just, I mean, just it's just a reality now that if you do not have your core web vitals under control, you're going to have problems. So we're going to cover that in its own episode, and I want to really give um, some deep dive there so we can understand because it's a little bit technical, uh, but it just comes down to having good hosting and understanding what that hosting means. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, kind of step in there. But that being the case, uh, we have this huge amount of of new buyers to buying online. These are folks who. Otherwise, we're maybe spending, you know, they may have made an internet purchase, uh, maybe they've done something uh, in that regard, but now they're doing the vast majority of their purchasing online. Now, of course, post pandemic, uh, you're going to see people go back to in person, you know, in person retail shopping again. Uh, but I bet you that we're going to have captured a, a good chunk of those people who will just never go back to in person shopping, because it's so convenient. Uh, you know, I made that shift uh, quite a long time ago of recognizing that I could make all kinds of purchases online, and cutting out the going into the store to buy those things. Now, there are certainly places that I enjoy going uh, in person to do a retail experience. We're going to see more and more and more people do this. Uh, Adobe wrote here that they expect shoppers to spend between $10.8 billion to $12.7 billion on Cyber Monday. And that was this past Monday. And um, those numbers, I believe, um, stood up the test. Um, that's a 35% increase in spending since last year. Um, so we're seeing these record-breaking numbers in terms of new dollars spent online and what is going to happen is we're just going to see more of that. We're going to see an increased uh, propagation of that. And Walmart has something to do with this, which is to say um, uh, this past week, Walmart decided to um, get rid of their shipping minimum for their subscription purchase. So if you didn't know, Walmart has a similar program to Amazon Prime, they call Walmart, Walmart Plus. Walmart Plus had a $35 minimum shipping threshold for all web orders. And, uh, and in this membership program, you would be able to go ahead and, um, you, know, you know, if you purchase more than $35, then you got a, a free shipping. Well, they got rid of that. Uh, and so uh, as of when this past Wednesday, orders from members of Walmart Plus on items like electronics, clothing, toys, and other merchandise uh, all go out the door with free shipping. Uh, They're obviously making a play at Amazon Prime. Uh, the biggest issue here is that it's going to affect 
you as a small business. And there's some ways that you can get around this. So if you are shipping product and you're in the retail space, uh, I, I consistently say this, you have to kind of, um, you know, you have to live with your enemies here. Um, Amazon ads are a way to get your products in front of people because they are shopping on Amazon and um, they're doing they're doing the work for you to, to garner traffic. There's no reason for you not to put ads on Amazon to lead them off Amazon to your uh, retail websites. Now, on your e-commerce sites, they need to be effective. So you cannot be spending money on Amazon ads before you know that your websites are are um, are you know truly um, effective. So that's that's one thing uh, that I see people saying. Oh well, I put ads on Amazon and they're not working. No, it's not Amazon that's not working. Amazon can drive traffic. They need to be good ads, uh, but they need you need to have a great e-commerce solution so that you're capable of capturing that traffic for the ad dollars you're spending. Uh, there's no reason to put ad spend out there if you're not actually capable of converting. But the point is, is that with Walmart Plus going ahead and challenging Amazon Prime, we're gonna see now Walmart, Amazon, and Target really capture the, uh, the majority of online commerce now. And you need to make sure that you have some kind of e-commerce solution to be able to uh, be seen in that space. So. Right now, you know, Amazon ads, I think, is probably the best way to get around some of this. But just also know that Walmart is starting to make more and more inroads. And that means if you want to get your products onto Amazon, onto Target, or onto Walmart's websites, there are ways to do that. They have their own uh, procurement systems where they can um, bring small business products onto the shelves. And you'll need to look into that uh, research to be able to make that happen. But just know that if you do have a retail product and you can provide that kind of nationwide national presence, uh, I would suggest going out there and, and looking into those pieces. Okay, uh, next up is uh, Squarespace. Oh, no, I'm sorry, WhatsApp. So uh, I wanted to just touch base a little bit on this uh, topic of WhatsApp. Uh, uh, Fortune uh, was uh, put out an article and video talking about WhatsApp and the fact that, you know, they really consider WhatsApp the next, uh, what they call super app. Uh, and uh, of course, WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. So I've had no misgivings about the fact that Facebook will uh, do what they need to in order to make Facebook uh, grow. And that means uh, consuming as much as they can of the WhatsApp data and the users on WhatsApp. So WhatsApp is going to, over time, likely start to do more of what many of the features inside of Facebook uh, does. And it, it's just it's just natural. So uh, you know, Google just recently redesigned and put out their Google Pay app uh, so that they can do um, you know peer to peer payments and all kinds of other uh, personal finance issues. Uh, WeChat in China, of course, is one of the most popular platforms uh, in 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 most of Asia for being able to both chat but also uh, do peer payments and all kinds of other things uh, in that environment. Now we're going to see more and more of these features probably come to WhatsApp, which means as a business owner, you're able to interface with people. You know, there's a potential for, um, you know, if you hire a freelancer, being able to pay through WhatsApp, potentially there are ways in which you can uh, manage peer-to-peer uh, -peer payments and, and managing client payments potentially through WhatsApp. We're going to see more of that stuff come down the pike in 2021, I'm pretty sure, as Facebook brings Facebook shops and Instagram shops into the apps, WhatsApp ecosystem. So... Yes, there's a clear opportunity there. Uh, now, from my perspective, 
I would not trust <laughs> WhatsApp. Um, of course, you need to go where the people are, right? So if your if your um, interest is in making sure that you're controlling uh, your your customers' influx, and you know, as I as I am want to say, you know, if someone wants to pay you, take their money um, and take their money wherever they're going to give it to you, right? So. Um, when you're on uh, a website or whether you're in a mobile application, uh, you know, in this case, WhatsApp, you really need to be able to, you know, if that's convenient for your customers, make it convenient for your customers. Uh, but I would definitely still um, consider your e-commerce solution and how you take payment off WhatsApp or other platforms um, as the as the more primary mechanism for being able to manage your business. You're just going to have better efficiencies. You know, WhatsApp is not going to integrate with your point of sale system or with your accounting software or those kinds of things in the same way as other bespoke tools for those reasons. So you really want to um, control those pieces, but just be mindful of the fact that WhatsApp is going to start to gain dominance and you need to uh, respond to that. If you start to see people out there, of course, my favorite messaging app is telegram and I can't speak more highly of telegram's capabilities. Uh, you can schedule messages, you can uh, share all kinds of content. It's secure and it, comes across platform. You know, you could put it on almost any device and uh, chat on those devices. My watch, you know, web, you name it, and you can chat across those devices. So, if I were going to, uh, you know, bet on in terms of a place to have that messaging chat conversation for my company, I would choose Telegram over WhatsApp. But we also have to look at reality, and the fact is, Facebook is a huge company with a lot of power. Okay, next up, Squarespace has launched a new feature set. Back in November, this is the Squarespace uh, membership area, uh, or they, what they call member areas. And I wanted to just compare and contrast it because this is uh, really a huge new, uh, you know, um, feature set that Squarespace has added. And of course, it's in the context of the pandemic. But you know, we have to um, take it in kind of as a grain of salt in a lot of ways. So Squarespace has long had the ability for you to take payment. You could set up a, a lightweight uh, retail web store. And they've also um, had the ability for you to be able to schedule uh, appointments through them. So both for product and service business, they've kind of had you covered. Now they have created this membership platform where you can, in essence, uh, go into your Squarespace account and put con content behind a paywall, right? So you can charge subscriptions for access to this payment system. So they're handling some of the backend work that would otherwise be a little bit more cumbersome to do. And uh, that's great. I think that if you have Squarespace, and you don't know this exists, now you do go for it. Uh, if I was not on Squarespace, would I go to Squarespace for this to be the case? Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> and here goes my problems. One, the members area does not connect to email. Uh, so, so Squarespace current email platform, uh, they have a kind of a built-in email newsletter functionality. What would be really great is if you were able to charge for uh, emails uh, akin to say Substack or review these applications that allow you to be able to charge for subscription to in essence an emailed publication. Uh, I, I really feel like Squarespace needs to tighten this up and maybe they'll get there. I don't know what's on their roadmap in terms of this, but I really would love to see these pieces come together. So if you are thinking about in 2021, and I think this is about the time where you're starting to think about what are you going to do next year? How are you going to do your marketing? Uh, and what potentially business model changes are going to be happening? Are you going to be a content company publishing content? Are you going to be doing some kind of service in uh, confluence with that uh, that content production? And 
if you're a product business, how can your content production uh, be monetized so that you can diversify revenues? Because who knows what the retail environment is going to be like for the first half of 2021. So start to consider all of these pieces and with other products like Shopify or with WordPress and WooCommerce and BigCommerce and many of these other uh, large-scale e-commerce platforms, you are able to uh, connect your email. And I think that we keep losing sight of the fact that email and our connection to our customers in that one-to-one -one way is very powerful and vital to making sure that you are delivering services and uh, integrating those products, that, that content as a product perspective out to those folks. So just be mindful of that, but good on, uh, Squarespace for adding those features. I wanted to make a little bit of a note about the uh, a feature that YouTube is bringing to the table and that you can actually take advantage of a little bit right now, uh, but is only, I think, currently being tested in India. So YouTube is um, going after TikTok. <laughs> and so uh, TikTok, of course, is, has gained uh, popularity. They'll probably uh, exceed the 1 billion uh, user mark in early 2021. And they are, uh, you know, the, the champion of short form video right now. Uh, Facebook and Instagram now have uh, Instagram Reels. Instagram Reels is likely to gain new features and become more uh, predictive in terms of its capabilities, uh, obviously, because it's got Facebook and Instagram behind it. And so uh, YouTube is now launching what are called YouTube Shorts. It is currently being tested in India. And in essence, when you open up the mobile application, the YouTube mobile application, you will see a new camera uh, that will uh, that will have an option for, when you open up the camera, you'll see a new option as, as Shorts. So instead of the traditional just uh, recording a video, you will then have a Shorts option. Now, I'm not sure of the exact particulars in terms of uh, is the short form video going to have a, um, you know, uh, the same features as it has currently or not, but in essence, you can create a, what it, it seems to me is an 18 second video, I think is the, is the length of time or is it 20 seconds, something to that effect. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, 15 seconds or less. So it's 15 seconds. And, uh, and so you can do multiple segments of the shorts. So think it's just like, you know, TikToks or Instagram Reels, uh, but you have a little bit of uh, variation there in terms of how they're doing. But th they're basically testing this in India, and um, and presumably they're going to roll that out uh, to the rest of the world once they get a better, um, you know, uh, data collection in terms of maybe problems and other pieces uh, going from there. Now, as I said, you can still take advantage of this uh, right now. Um, and it's just a bit of a trick in the system. And um, some people are capable of, of seeing it work for them. So you can as well. Uh, in essence, you open up your camera, you stay in portrait view. So that's the up and down perspective. So like you were looking at your phone, um, uh, you know, right side up. And um, when you're recording, um, you just record in that perspective. When you're done, you actually put the um, hashtag shorts. So the number sign and then the word shorts into the title of the video. That's what I understand as being the case. And um, if anybody knows differently, let me know. Um, but you basically put the hashtag shorts into the title of the video and that is, is showing it in and among the other shorts that are on YouTube shorts in the interface. So just something to be aware of that you can uh, maybe take advantage of YouTube Shorts. Uh, the other side to that, if you don't plan to do it right now, that doesn't make any difference to me. What you should be thinking about is 2021. Know that in probably the next three to six months, YouTube Shorts is going to be a thing. And you're going to want to start planning for what that looks like. Now, we don't know whether or not YouTube is going to in inject their same 
restrictions on these things, you know, so the YouTube stories feature that they they had, you know, before, um, only folks who were, um, who had enough subscribers, and, you know, were capable of utilizing that tool. And that's still to, uh, uh, the case um, that I understand. And so um, in that sense, will YouTube shorts only be allowed for those folks? Or will YouTube make that widely available to everybody on the platform? That's still, still to be uh, determined. But you should probably start thinking, okay, if we're creating videos now for Instagram Reels, for TikTok, for, uh, for Snapchat Spotlight, for Google Web Stories, uh, you, we should now start thinking about how to make these uh, uh, applicable to YouTube shorts so that if that happens, then you can start publishing back uh, catalog items to YouTube shorts going forward in, in three, maybe six months time from now. So you're not missing, uh, you know, the, the generation of that content is not going for naught. So in that um, vein of stories, I just want to have a little piece of errata and update. Um, I am remiss to note that MeWe Story. So MeWe, if you didn't know, is a small but growing social network that is challenging Facebook. And MeWe's whole point is to be the anti-Facebook Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> In essence, they are uh, supposed to be free and, um, and uh, private, but uh, then they charge, they kind of have premium services for uh, individual users, and then they charge businesses to be on the platform. So you have to pay in order to be there, which is exactly the model that I wish Facebook had gone with. Uh, they probably wouldn't be the behemoth they are today, but they also probably wouldn't be uh, evil in the ways that they uh, can be. Uh, so, you know, there's just a, a greed and um, malintent, um, you know, perspective that is constantly talked about um, you know, about them. And it's because, you know, they're beholden to their uh, shareholders and the stock market more than they are to uh, the people that they serve. And so, you know, we don't own our data um, in the same way that we think we do on Facebook. And so there's, you know, there's a, there's a, a piece there that I feel like if they had gone and just said to every user or to every business, you've got to pay, you know, a dollar or two per month in order to have a Facebook page, uh, they would probably be making just about the same amount of money and uh, you know they could they could do it in a a useful normative way um, and um, and still retain this uh, data security and privacy perspective that uh, we're all now realizing is important for social networks to have. That being the case, you know, that's my soapbox. Uh, but uh, MeWe Stories came out in February, and I know I did the all the stories episode, and so I just wanted to make note that I did miss that that they, they, uh, I've been using MeWe Stories uh, here and there, uh, but I just forgot to mention that MeWe Stories is actually one of the stories formats that are out there, even though they only have a, a, a you know, I don't know what it is, like a, I forget what the number, how many MeWe uh, uh, users there are out there. Um, they're a good network, and um, and so um, they're out there, and so we should not discount MeWe Stories as being in and among them. Um, I'm still working on a Google web story to show and do a tutorial on. So I will um, let you guys know as soon as I get that uh, live and available for you. And that leads me to my final kind of uh, piece here, which is that I um, came across a an article from Sprout Social, and they were talking about the uh, seven steps to an effective Facebook marketing strategy. And I just wanted to walk through the steps because uh, I agree and disagree with some of these pieces, and I think it, it would just be helpful to understand where I'm coming from 
and where this might help you. So they, they talk about the seven steps and we're just gonna walk through them really quickly and then I'll give commentary. So they put out this um, Sprout Social Index report that they do every year. And um, this article itself is um, updated to August 5th, 2020. So this is um, about mid-year this year and, um, and it still stands. It's a really um, good article and I recommend that you go through and read it. Um, but they say, you know, set goals for Facebook is number one. Number two, know your Facebook audience. Number three is to engage what they say proactively with your audience. Uh, then next, uh, they have schedule your Facebook content. They talk about next, uh, determining your Facebook ad strategy. And then six is encourage employee advocacy. And then seven is track and analyze your results. Okay, so those are the seven pieces here. And in and when we look at these pieces individually, I think number one, of course, setting goals for Facebook is important. Uh, this cannot be discounted, uh, but at the same time, I, I don't think we should be setting goals for networks specifically. We should be setting uh, goals in and among all of our social media, what I consider community building, right? Which is listening, speaking, and connecting. Uh, that is engaging with your, your audience, uh, you know, committing to reading other content and contributing to that content. You yourself consistently publishing content across the board and then uh, you know, engaging your community in the, the the concept of building community, making and making sure people feel belonging um, in that perspective. Now, if we set goals specifically for Facebook, what we're forgetting is that what we want to do is be driving traffic to our community, to our website, to our e-commerce solution, and that's that's the true goal. So just be mindful that yes, you may want to increase the number of likes and the number of shares and the number of comments on Facebook, uh, but ultimately the goal should be what is benefiting the business. And so uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, knowing your audience I think is really important. And uh, and the only thing I, I say about number two is that when we think about it, we've got to go over to five or six where we talked about ad strategy. There's really no way for you to be able to uh, build a, a strong enough Facebook audience uh, in terms of numbers if you don't have a following already without advertising. So you've got to push some ads to build up your Facebook audience. Then uh, And then from there, know who they are in order to be able to do that. Um, some ways you can do that is if you have at least an email list or if you have uh, some uh, database of, of folks, you can upload those to Facebook in on the on the business manager side inside of the ads manager and uh, and then start to understand who these people are, who's on Facebook, who's not on Facebook, and then show lookalike audiences or remove ads from audiences that you don't believe um, fit the bill for ideal customers. Uh, so, um, that's that's just important to kind of keep in mind as well. Um, I'm just scrolling down. They talk about the idea of uh, engaging proactively with your audience. Uh, this is really important, and uh, it's just a little bit higher in the list than I think it should be. Uh, we should be uh, uh, really first thinking about what is the content we're building on our website, that kind of of. Um, anchor content uh, that is going to really uh, be highly valuable for someone to want to come to so that we can go ahead and engage with them uh, once they're there. The content on Facebook is nothing more than uh, kind of part teaser, but part entertainment and education. So how can we entertain and educate around this and then ultimately bring them closer to wanting uh, more? And this is actually really important because one of the uh, 
the things that they bring up here in step number four, which is scheduling your content. Note that in their report, they note here that the top reason what um, uh, content types that consumers want from brands on social media is links to more information. They they literally want you to give them a link to your website, someplace that you control content for, and to give them more information there. So they clearly want more information. You just have to be able to give it to them. And um, that means on social, your social posts are not about uh, giving away everything on the on social. It's about giving them enough to want them to then come to your website and get the whole panoply of of value that you have to offer that is en route to sales, right? What is the thing you're trying to sell? And what is that thing intermediary that can help facilitate that, right? Again, going back to what we uh, used to call consultative sales. And so we want to use some of those consultative sales components to be able to lead people to it. But I thought that was really um, evocative that 30% of the people who are going to visit your social posts are really looking for uh, links to more information. I found this very interesting. Uh, it says, uh, in, ter in terms of uh, most successful content on each of the platforms, on Facebook, the number one uh, you know, uh, uh, content piece is video, Instagram video, uh, LinkedIn uh, is audience insights. Um, I, I don't really understand what that means in terms of, of what they're trying to say there, but I'm, I'm presuming they just mean um, you need to look at your your data in order to understand your audience. Um, but I would presume that text and video is the content type. Um, and then on Twitter, it says data-driven strategy. Snapchat is video. I don't really understand this, uh, this uh, chart very well, but I think that you can see here that video is by far, you know, the most important thing um, that shows up on this screen. Um, Determining Facebook ad strategy, I think I already talked about that in terms of the fact that you need to run ads in order to do that. If you have employees, you need to obviously do employee advocacy. Their sharing from their profiles are powerful to consumers as one of those metrics of brand advocacy. And so employee advocacy is a part of that 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 advocacy that we see across the board. And um, and then last but not least is, of course, tracking and, uh, tracking and analysis. It's gonna be really, really important to tie your social media dashboard tools to uh, your Google Analytics or whatever tools are coming down the pike. Uh, and of course, we have a new Google Analytics uh, that is Google Analytics 4 is coming out very soon. And so uh, we'll be talking about that and I'll be doing a webinar in, in 2021 about that. But really tracking analysis is important. So um, all told, um, I think it's really important for us to be thinking about strategy and uh, each of these articles that kind of cover and discuss a little bit about strategy is helpful and important. And I'm, I'm glad to see these articles being put out and I, and I hope they're useful to you. And I hope that you can kind of look at them from that perspective. Um, uh, American Family pa Pantry is asking, um, could you do a video or comment on government contracts and ads for business? Uh, so in terms of, of comment, I don't necessarily have a comment um, in, in the sense that uh, typically running uh, those kinds of ads are looking strategically for the procurement officers or procurement agents uh, for um, you know those contracts. So you're doing more capture management than you are uh, per se, doing ads to say, come buy my product, right? So we need to think about this from a much longer uh, sales cycle when it comes to government contracts. And uh, maybe at some point I will do a video on government contracts. I would probably have to invite some of my more uh, expertise, uh, you know, economic development uh, partners who know more about 
government contracting than I do. Um, you know, my my government contracting experience is is while it's there, it's probably more limited than maybe some of the other experts. But maybe I could put together a a panel. So I will think about doing that in uh, 2020. And thank you for the comment. Um, with that, that brings us uh, closer to the end of our show. I just have a couple of announcements. One, um, I am. Uh, doing Web and Beyond webinars uh, twice monthly. And so for our final webinar this month, uh, which is not like this, where I'm just going live each week, but the webinars are um, on w3cinc.com forward slash events. So if you go to w3cinc.com forward slash events, and that's displaying on the screen now, um, if you go there, you'll find all of the webinars that we're publishing, all of our events that we're publishing throughout the month. Um, We'll be updating that probably in the next week for the first set for January, February, March, that time frame. And so uh, our next one is 1217. And uh, that will be my final webinar of the year, all told, which is kind of exciting. Um, And it's going to be my lessons from going um, from a year going live. So I'll be talking about all the lessons I've learned from coming here and talking to you each week. And what that what I've learned, you know, the, the good, the bad, and the indifferent components, but really ways in which I think I can uh, level up going next year. And maybe some of this will be useful to you in terms of what it's like to do live video each week. Uh, With that, uh, you can join me in Web and Beyond Community. I run a digital community called Web and Beyond Community. It's a place for us to discuss and share and learn uh, about digital marketing and uh, productivity technologies for small business. And so if you're interested in marketing and managing your business on the Web and Beyond, uh, and I think you are because you're watching the show, um, you're more than welcome to go ahead and uh, join us in Web and Beyond Community. Uh, Robin, Um, from Start to Growth is noting uh, she loved my emphasis on 2021 planning. Absolutely. I think this is so important and you're welcome. You're welcome. I'm always happy to do this. And uh, so with that, that brings us to the close of our time together. If you've enjoyed this live stream, please hit the thumbs up icon on the video that helps to bring new small business friends into the fold. And so thank you for joining me. Thank you for doing that. If you have a question, leave a comment on the video feel free to tweet or message me at W3 Consulting. I'm always on Twitter (laughs) at W, the number three, uh, then consulting on Twitter. I'm always happy to answer your questions there. You can join us every Monday here at 11 a.m. Eastern, and uh, we come to you live for this each week. Uh, Thanks so much for spending this Web and Beyond live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and our subsidiary W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead on marketing and managing on the Web and Beyond.